good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the San Francisco War Memorial Opera House on this lovely Mother's Day, Sunday, May 8th. Um, my guest today is Deborah Bernard, but first I should introduce myself. I am Allison Groves. I'm the plant giving manager here at San Francisco Ballet, and I'm happy to be your host today for this Meet the Artist interview. The Meet the Artist interviews are produced by San Francisco Ballet's Center for Dance Education. We've had many of these interviews over the past season, and you can go onto our website to listen to those you might have missed. And you can also read blogs from our dancers and other artistic staff by visiting the website at sfballet.org. So without further ado, here is Deborah Bernard. She is our general manager at San Francisco Ballet, and she has a long history with ballet, and specifically San Francisco Ballet. A Napa native, she joined San Francisco Ballet in 1988 and worked with us until 2000 in a variety of positions in the artistic and production areas. When she left us, she went to New York and became the company manager at New York City Ballet. But luckily, in 2008, she returned to the Bay Area to be our general manager. And in that capacity, she oversees the facilities, operations, and production departments. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you very much, Allison. It's a pleasure to be with you, as always. So today we have the final performance of John Newmeyer's The Little Mermaid, and it also happens to be the final performance of the repertory season. So since you will all be seeing The Little Mermaid today, it would probably be good to take a moment to talk about this production. Um, and a brief summary for those, how many of you have seen this before? Okay, a few. Um, so a brief summary for those who aren't familiar with the work. It was created in 2005 for the Royal Danish Ballet. And then John Neumeyer, who was the choreographer and also artistic director of the Hamburg Ballet, brought the ballet to his company in 2007 with a few revisions. And we had its U.S. premiere last year here at San Francisco Ballet, and I believe we were the third company to perform this. That is correct. Since we first premiered it in the U.S. last year, um, John has also given the rights to the Stanislavski Ballet in Moscow to perform the ballet, and they premiered it in February of this year. So now we're only one of four companies to have done this, and I know that the choreographer wants to make sure everything is done correctly. Last year, he came to the ballet to work with the dancers before the premiere here. Did he come back this year? Yes, he did. Um, he came last year when we first learned the ballet with four ballet masters from his company. And they spent a month with us in the summer to teach the ballet to our company. Then John returned last year, a few weeks before the premiere, with one of his ballet masters to work with the dancers. Again, this year, he came a few weeks before we premiered the ballet or opened the ballet this year. And it wasn't just because we were filming the production this year for PBS television, which was a very exciting um, 
project for us as well, but he would have done that anyway. Uh, he is that type of choreographer where it is very, very important to him to come back and work with the dancers before they bring it back to the stage. I think this production is a bit unusual for our dancers because it's as much theater as it is ballet, and it has um, movements that aren't really the classic ballet movements that you would have seen in Giselle or Capelia earlier this season. Did he bring in any special acting coaches, or was he able to just uh, fine-tune all of the acting aspect of it himself? All of that came from John himself. He is... The dancers loved working with him. I, when In speaking with them, they would tell me that they loved how, when he would give a correction, it was informed by, you're trying to give across this emotion or this, tell this part of the story. So it wasn't just a correction of, please put your arm here. It was really infused with the emotion and the story behind the ballet. So that truly came from him. Now, his four ballet masters that also came from Hamburg have worked with him for a very, very long time. So, of course, they can also impart all of this guidance and teaching to our dancers. And then, in turn, our ballet masters were in the room with them, so now they can also do it. So it, it's the oral history of it being brought down from one to another. But John himself is the creative voice in this ballet, not just for the choreography, but also for the design, which is what I find so special. It is such a beautifully designed ballet in all aspects, costumes, scenery, lighting, and I hope you enjoy that aspect as much as we all do. One of the other creative aspects of this production is the music, which the choreographer commissioned from composer Lehrer Auerbach. And uh, I guess this is an unusual case where there is a living choreographer, and I'm wondering if she came and worked with our principal conductor and music director, Martin West, so that he could conduct it as she sees proper. Yes, she came both last year and this year. Um, she um, did indeed work on this with John. It was commissioned by him uh, for her to create the music. And she did come and work with Martin West and our orchestra both last year and this year. One of the interesting features of this music is the use of a theremin, which is not something that many people play and certainly no one in the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what it took to get a theremin player here. Absolutely. So Martin West, our music director, initially inquired in the Bay Area. There are indeed people in the Bay Area um, and the U.S. who play the theremin. But they looked at the music and they told him, oh, no, this is too difficult. <laughs> um, so we brought uh, a theremin player from Europe who has played the production before. Her name is Carolina Ike. And she, uh, we brought her both last year and this year. And the theremin is indeed that otherworldly sound of the mermaid that uh, Lara explained. That's, that's what she used to depict the mermaid um, within the music. And if any of you remember the Beach Boys and you remember good vibrations and that high kind of pitching sound that you think somebody is singing, no, that's a theremin. It's also popular in 1950s horror movies, if I recall correctly. <laughs> it sounds much more beautiful today in this. Um, so let's get back to those amazing sets and costumes that make this production so very special. Where did they come from? Are they our sets and costumes? In this instance, no. We rented the production from the Hamburg Ballet, so the scenery and costumes came from them. 
there were a few elements that we provided that they needed to keep there with their main opera house. So we did purchase a floor that we will be able to use for other ballets um, and certain aspects of that nature. But we rented the production from Hamburg for, for the two-year period. It is a very big set. I'm wondering how many people are needed backstage to make it all happen smoothly. This is a very big production to produce. Uh, not only is the scenery big and the changes complicated, there's very complicated makeup, we can makeup in this production, and the many quick wardrobe changes. A total of 75 people work backstage to make this ballet happen. Uh, 45 of them are the stage crew and the carpentry electric sound and props departments, and then approximately 30 people in wig and makeup and wardrobe to make the production possible. How does that compare to other productions that we do? We have two very large full-length ballets, um, comparatively. Our relatively new Nutcracker, the one that Helgi Thomason choreographed, requires a crew of 89. Our new Swan Lake that we premiered in 2009 is a crew of 90. So indeed, when you see the artists up on the stage, it has taken a small village in order to make all of that happen. And what about a mixed repertory program where we have three, you know, 20 or 30 minute ballets and not much set? Oh, that would be indeed much smaller. And indeed, if they don't have a lot of special makeup effects, the dancers would do their own makeup. Um, I didn't come prepared with how many that might be, but it would be far less. <laughs> So uh, this is the final performance today. What happens to the sets and costumes now? They will get packed up and um, the costumes will be cleaned. Everything will get packed up, put back in exactly the same order it came in, in a container, and it will get shipped back to Hamburg. Now you mentioned that this production is being filmed here. Can you tell us a little bit more about who's filming it and how that came about? Yes, we have a media consultant who works with San Francisco Ballet. Her name is Judy Flannery, and she previously worked with KQED Television for many years and um, actually was involved in all of the ballets that have been filmed for television Judy has been a part of. She saw The Little Mermaid last year, and she immediately came to our executive director, Glenn McCoy, and said, you have to capture this for film. This is the perfect ballet to film. So she took an art, what we call an archival video of the production with her to PBS Great Performances in New York. And they were so excited about it, they agreed to come in with us as partners on the production. And um, then we went about looking for other partners to help us to produce it. So we were the third ballet company to perform this. I'm wondering how the choreographer felt about having it filmed here instead of on his company or the original company that performed it. Well, that's a very good question. Actually, it's a high compliment to San Francisco Ballet and how John feels about how we have shown his work that he would agree to let us film it. So indeed, the first phone call then was Helgi Thomason calling John Nomeyer saying, we have an opportunity perhaps to film this for great performances, PBS television. Would you allow us to do that? Would you agree that we could do that? And John did. For those of you who are just joining us, I should repeat that our guest today is General Manager Deborah Bernard, and we're talking about The Little Mermaid and its filming. Now, did anything have to change about the performance to be able to film it? Yes, indeed, especially the lighting. Whenever you were working with, we had eight cameras here in the Opera House, so we had one in the center box level up there, and then we had uh, seven on the floor, uh, five of which were 
dead center and one on each side. And the lighting definitely had to be changed for the filming. So we had not only our lighting supervisor here, but working with someone who was from the television production side to adjust the lighting so that it would look right for television. The other thing we found we really needed to do was insert an additional intermission so that the makeup could be touched up. So the first act is, if you saw the ballet last year, you know that the first act is very long. It's an hour and 15 minutes. So we inserted an intermission, which is the way it was originally done in Europe. And then that way the makeup could be touched up on the dancers. Um, because when you're filming in HD, everything shows. And when is this going to be on television? This October, we get to be uh, on a new thing called Arts Night uh, that will be on PBS Great Performances. We don't have the exact date yet. We'll be sure to share that with you as soon as we do. And at the same time, it will be also produced on a DVD, which we'll be able to sell. Now, the same thing happened with Nutcracker, and it appeared on TV a few years ago, and the DVD is for sale. And I know there are many, many ballets that people would love to watch over and over again. So why aren't there more ballets on DVD? Well, we would love to do that, but it's, it's truly funding. Um, it's very expensive to do these kinds of projects. Uh, for instance, The Little Mermaid was a project of about a million dollars. Uh, we didn't. We definitely had to have partners to do that. So, Great Performances is one of our partners. Um, BFMI, Bernard Fleischer Moving Images, is our, another production partner. They actually did all the production and filming aspects. And C Major Entertainment, which is a distribution company in Europe, Europe, came in and partnered with us. They're helping us also to get seen worldwide. So, Arte, which is the public television station in Germany and France, will be showing the ballet, as well as NHK, the public television station in Japan. So it took many partners working with us to be able to make this project happen. Now I want to turn to next season because we have a great lineup next season as well. Um, and there will be, for those of you who might not have already seen the, the schedule, there will be three story ballets and five mixed repertory ballets. I'm wondering how our artistic director, Helgi Thomason, goes about picking a season that will meet his artistic vision but still be of interest to audiences and fit within the budget. Well, I'm sure Helgi would tell you that that's always one of his biggest challenges because the other thing he is balancing all the time is making sure that all of his dancers get on stage. So he wants to find ballets that you know, different dancers perhaps will perform. And he takes great care when he's planning a season or planning a program to really have an idea of who might be dancing what so that the audience has an opportunity to see as many of our dancers as possible and our dancers have as many opportunities to perform as possible. Um, Helgi will definitely come up with certain ideas, some well in advance, um, like the full-length ballets, take a lot more planning. And, and then we'll go back and forth um, about uh, who his ideas are, and then we sometimes have to put parameters on what those new productions might uh, look like if, if there is any funding issues. He has commissioned four new world premieres for next year by Mark Morris, Yuri Posakov, Edward Liang, and Ashley Page. I'm wondering about the logistics of creating new works and, and what sort of guidelines he gives to the choreographers that he invites to come in. 
actually in many ways, Helgi will give them um, free reign. Uh, he may tell them what he's looking for, but usually he'll have them, there'll, there'll be a dialogue. They will tell him what they are thinking of, um, how many dancers, what the music is. They'll make sure that we haven't choreographed to that music before. Um, they'll pick designers. And, they'll, and it'll be a dialogue with Helgi about how they're approaching it and what they're thinking of. And it helps him also balance out the rest of that, that program because there will be always two other ballets on that program. And for those pieces that are not commissions, how does he go about finding something such as Eugene Onyegin, which will be performing next year? Does he go out in search of ballets? Do people bring ideas to him? A little bit of both. Every year, so the season ends today, Helgi will leave on Tuesday to start traveling to go see um, other companies, other ballets, and um, he makes a great effort to do that every single year. So he saw the new production of Onyegin that National Ballet of Canada did last June and liked it very, very much. It had new scenery and costumes designed by Santa Loquasto and lighting by James Ingalls, but it is the John Cranko choreography. So a new design, but John Cranko's choreography. And this company has never performed that work before, so he was looking for another way also to stretch the dancers again in a different direction with a dramatic full-length ballet. One of my favorite parts of next year is going to be the return of Don Quixote with choreography by Helgi Thomason and Yuri Posakov. But we're going to have new sets and costumes, so can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, that's actually very exciting for us. So previously when we did the production of Don Quixote, we rented the scenery and costumes from the Royal Danish Ballet. And then that's always a challenge when you're doing that because you can only do it then when you know it's available. And perhaps you want to do it more often or have different opportunities. So um, Helgi had the idea of getting a new production designed. And we are very excited that the scenery and costumes will be designed by Martin Paquadinas. Um, he has worked with us before. He designed the costumes for Nutcracker. He designed the costumes for Sylvia. He's designed a lot of the Mark Morris pieces as well as Helgi's. And then lighting will be by James Ingalls. And uh, Martin just was nominated for another Tony Award for his costume designs for um, Anything Goes. So the Tonys will be in June, and we're all rooting for him. So I know we often rent our costumes and, and sets from other companies. Do other companies rent costumes and sets that we've built? Yes, absolutely. So sometimes actually it works very well that we can even do it in exchange. We have something we need to do or want for next year, and that company may be doing a ballet by a choreograph choreographer um, whose scenery and costumes we own. Sometimes we can make an exchange, and it's very beneficial to both companies. It works very well. This is the last performance of the season, as we've said. What happens now? Where do the dancers go? When do they come back here to start rehearsing for next year? Well, I think they are all going to hopefully get a good rest. I know that um, everyone has worked very, very hard and um, our crew, our musicians, the staff, everyone has pushed very hard to produce this beautiful season for you. The dancers then have a break uh, starting tomorrow and they return to work on July 5th. Some of them will just take the time off. Some of them will do guest appearances with other companies. 
um, travel. Um, some of them might teach. So it's, it's truly their time to make those decisions. And will they be here from June until Nutcracker, preparing for next year? From July. Yes, from July. Right. So that, they spend as much time preparing for the season as they spend actually dancing right. in the season. Well, that, but we're also doing some touring. Uh, we will be at Orange County Center for the Performing Arts. Sorry, it's now called the Seekerstrom Center for the Arts in Orange County. Uh, we'll be there the last week of September. We'll be doing one repertory program and Romeo and Juliet. And so it's wonderful for us to get back there on a regular basis. It's, it is Southern California, so we want to make sure we remain a regular presence there as well. That's all the questions I have for you, but hopefully some members of the audience will have some questions. And for all of you listening, I will repeat the question so you can understand what the person said. Yes. How was the Little Mermaid received in Europe, especially in Denmark? I wasn't there personally, but it's my understanding that it was very enthusiastically received. When it was created in 2005, it was for the 200th anniversary of, the, of Hans Christian Andersen's birth. So, and it's, uh, I believe you'll notice in your program that John Nomar dedicated it to the Queen of Denmark. Yes. Is The Little Mermaid going to be cut for the DVD? To my knowledge, no. They, they will edit it, of course, so you will see close-ups and, and then, of course, full stage picture. Um, but to my knowledge, no, it will be the complete ballet. There will also, on the DVD especially, but I think even on great performances, for instance, there will be uh, excerpts of interviews with John Nomeyer, Lara Auerbach, the composer, um, and also with the dancers who dance the principal roles. Yes. Does the set go with the production? Well, I know there are at least two. So the Royal Danish Ballet has their own scenery and costumes. And then when John redid it for his company in 2007, Hamburg Ballet, he changed a few things. So that's the version he wanted to stage for San Francisco Ballet, and that's why we rented Hamburg Ballet's scenery and costumes. But there is a whole other set of scenery and costumes with the Royal Danish Ballet then I'm not sure if the Stanislavski Ballet built their own or if they rented from the Royal Danish. We had the Hamburg scenery and costumes, so those were here in San Francisco. Normally, Helgi would, you know, we've done it two years in a row now, so normally, indeed, we would wait at least a few years if, before he would have an idea of bringing it back um, to give a chance for other ballets and productions to be seen. But indeed, we, we ship it now back to Hamburg, and when we want to do it again, we would need to rent it from them. Yes. The dancers come in a lot of different sizes. Um, how is it that you can make the costumes fit all those dancers? The dancers come in many different sizes. So when you're renting costumes, how can you make sure those costumes are going to fit? Well, um, that is a challenge. Usually the costumes are made so that you can make adjustments between dancers. So either extra ability to take the seams in and out. 
Um, a bigger challenge would be if there's a shorter dancer and a taller dancer, obviously. Um, to my knowledge, we did not have any trouble adjusting the costumes to our dancers, but indeed the choreographer, when he was casting the ballet here, kept an eye on that as well with his staff so that he knew what size dancers he'd had do it in Hamburg, and I think also kept that very much in mind when he was casting the ballet for us here in San Francisco. Yes. Ah, uh, would we ever do an HD simulcast such as the Metropolitan Opera does? Well, that would certainly be a wonderful thing to do. Um, we did do streaming of a community matinee, not this most recent year, but the year prior, into schools. So for those children who weren't able to be here at the Opera House, we streamed it straight into public schools here in San Francisco. We'd like to try and do more of that. Um, we haven't... I haven't been involved in any discussions of uh, the simulcast lately, but I know it has been discussed, and hopefully if we could find funding and work out all the logistics, that might be something we could explore in the future. Um, there are no immediate plans to do it, however. Is this stage set up for simulcasts, or do you have to bring in special equipment each time you would do that for a community matinee? Um, there was indeed a special setup when we did it. We used the, the media suite, which is part of what is here in the Opera House that the Opera built. The Opera, as you know, simulcasts once a year to the ballpark. Um, they did this last year. So they, there's clearly a way to do it. I do not know, I'm not the technical person that knows all the ins and outs of that particular aspect of it, however. Yes. Where is the theremin placed in the orchestra? Can we see? I want to say it's over by the harp, but I am not absolutely certain. It, our, sound, our sound, ahead of sound is nodding yes. So it's placed over by the harp. You're welcome. Yes. That's an interesting question. Each ballet company has its own style. So when we are performing The Little Mermaid, is this company trying to emulate the style of the company that originally performed it, or is it adding its own embellishments? Well, since we would not have seen the Royal Danish Ballet's performance of it, it's truly the choreographer, John Nomeyer, who would be the one molding the performance of our dancers. And so it would be to whatever his vision was. And indeed, it might be slightly different than another company's because we have a different style. What I would tell you is um, all of our dancers would work to their utmost to realize the vision of that choreographer and, and to embody the style that that choreographer wanted in that ballet. So actually, it's one of the things I love about this company is we do a great variety of new work or different works and different choreographies. So we go from Swan Lake or Giselle to The Little Mermaid or Wayne McGregor's Chroma or William Forsyth's Artifact Suite. 
and they're very distinctly different in the style of dance that they are. And this company does seamlessly move, in my, in my humble opinion, seamlessly move from style to style to style. I think it's one of the great talents of our dancers. We did have another question over here about what is a theremin. And I don't know if you have a technical definition. It is an electronic instrument, is it not? Uh, I, I do not know well enough to describe to you other than that, to my knowledge, the musician actually moves, it's how they move their hand over the instrument that produces the different sounds, but I don't know enough about it to give a really good full explanation to you. I'm sorry. It's not a string instrument where they're, or key instrument where they're moving anything. It is just, I think, over an electronic field they move their hand, and hence the spooky sound. <laughs> Any other questions? I think we're... Oh, one more. As the season is, as the season is uh, closing, dancers have a chance to catch up on film that they may have missed, including The Black Swan. I'm just wondering... For the members of the Corps who have already seen it, what has the reaction been? What has the reaction been to the movie The Black Swan among our dancers? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest, because I haven't actually had conversations with them about it. Um, I think everyone appreciated what the artists accomplished in that film, but I, I truly don't know their individual opinions. I'm sorry. I also think that they know some of the dancers who are in... The Absolutely, they do. I, I know some of the dancers, actually, who are in the film because they were with New York City Ballet. So, so um, we all love it, I think, yeah. is the answer. Um, indeed. And it, it was an interesting work of art. And on that note, I think we're ready for another interesting work of art today. Um, a very dramatic, amazing piece. You're in for a real treat today with The Little Mermaid. So thank you all for coming today, and we look forward to seeing you again next year. And Deborah Bernard, General Manager, thank you for being my guest. Thank you, Allison. My pleasure.